Welcome to Rants About Humanity, a podcast where we interview guest experts with passionate opinions about important topics that don't get enough attention. Raw, unfiltered, thought-provoking perspectives with no censorship. With your host, Philip Van Houta. Welcome everyone to the Rants About Humanity podcast. Today I have Thibaut Olgers as a guest. He worked for 14 years in the special units with the police and he gave teacher trainings there. And now he's a teacher and teaching other people to speak freely, take responsibility, a full-time entrepreneur. One thing that I'm super curious about is because one of the things that I noticed about entrepreneurs is that they like to take personal responsibility and about people who are a bit critical of everything going on in the COVID between brackets crisis is that they dislike a bit authority. How are you able to cope being a member of the police, which a lot of people, you know, an entrepreneur, they did stay in authority that you sometimes just had to follow orders. Yeah, well, that's a beautiful question to start things off. Well, nature teaches us that there's polarity and uh, there's day and night, there's men and there's women. Well, even that's a discussion right now, but, and you need both sides and the problems arise when you lose yourself in in one of the sites. So the way we help entrepreneurs win right now is with the principles of special forces, the structure, the procedures, the, the, the short ways of communication, the honesty. We, we take those things and we help them implement them in, the, in, their, in their businesses. And it helps them enormously if you combine that set of strict rules, if you combine that with free creation, with free flow, with entrepreneurship, with an open mindset, with a focus on uh, human connection, then you, you get the complete picture. So what I always say is that life's about the, the feminine energy, the creation, the art. That's mother nature because create, uh, nature creates. But if you create energy or whatever without boundaries, it gets lost. So it's the chosen boundaries that, get, that give you freedom. So I have nothing against a set of rules or boundaries, but I'm seeing that if I look at entrepreneurs, they lack boundaries. So mm. because of that, they work 80 hours a week without any healthy growth in, in their business. They're sacrificing their, the good life for their business. So the business became the goal instead of what should be your goal, a good life. So they lack boundaries and I see governments who of course are, are just mere puppets but that are enforcing too much boundaries uh, on their people. So it's, it's always uh, a game. Yeah. And I, I had a problem with the fact that I know your story, why you created the police. And I had a problem with the fact that there were no principles, not fixed principles. There was one principle for women, one principle for men, one principle for non-white people, one principle for white people. If it would be the same principles, it would be like, fine. But my red pill kind of happened with also seeing the biased way how certain politically correct things are treated. This doesn't mean that there's no sexism, no racism, etc. But I just noticed that it's not based on principles. It's based on ideology and it's based on preferences. And that, that was when I opened like, whoa, 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 they're not being consistent here. Could you maybe explain a bit more on why you left the police and maybe your whole process of going yeah, through I will, this? I will, I will try to explain it in a way that's, that's interesting for the, for the listener. So more in a broad sense. So I left the police because I worked there for 14 years, 10 years mm -hmm. with a, a special unit. So I had my, my share and I had a lot of fun. I, I, I discovered a lot about myself and about how the, the world works. But one of the things that accelerated my resignation was the decision by the, by the, by the unit to do whatever it took. And it took a lot, a lot of money and a lot of bending the rules to get women inside the unit. So they started bending the rules. They started promoting all kinds of extras. They started doing exactly the opposite of the dream of Martin Luther King. They stopped. And, and this is the, the broader's. Uh, sense I want to talk about, I would like to talk about is... Yeah, you talk about the, the, the quote where we will have an equal society where people are judged yeah, by the content of the their Netherlands. character and not by the color of their skin yeah. or their gender uh, or their sex or whatever. Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. So in the Netherlands with the police uh, as a, the, the government, the, the local governments as examples, but in general, because the Netherlands is a really uh, extreme leftist country, uh, becoming an extreme leftist country, we are more and more selecting people based 
on their gender, based on their, the skin of their color, based on their uh, sexual preferences, instead of their competences and their character. So that was for me an extra push to stop uh, with the police. But right now, I think that this is a major problem. Why There's- would you think that you're just stating this? People would always say like, oh, there is an extreme right white <laughs> nationalist yeah. talking from the police. And now, you know, he became radicalized and now he's an yeah. entrepreneur teaching men how to be misogynist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because that's easy. Yeah? And then you don't have to have the, have the conversation. If you can just put people aside because, because of the arguments you just gave, you don't have the conversation. So what I like to do is judge people on the basis of their character, if you're talking about job opportunities, their character and their competences. I hate racism. And I think one of the stupidest thing you can do is try to combat racism with racism or combat discrimination with discrimination. Because if we look look through history, there's always a very appealing reason to start discriminating there's always you can always find a very appealing reason and now there there are people standing up with very appealing reasons why we should select people based on their genitals but if you look at history the results are always the same a lot of millions of deaths more than extreme right extreme left and extreme right are very close to each other by the Mm -hmm. way a lot of poverty and a lot of yeah problems i think that if we judge people for the people that they are, then we should do exactly that. And if there is a case where there's outright discrimination or racism, let's fight it. I think I sometimes look at it as, you know, if they want to talk about toxic or the perverted or the devouring, we live in a devouring feminine. We don't live in a devouring masculine. Almost anything is judged on feminine and the extreme feminine is Everything is openness. Everything is chaos. Everything is subjective. No boundaries, no structures. Do whatever you want, which sounds appealing, but it's hell. It's really hell. Without that masculine principle of discernment, structure, you know, guidance, forward thinking, instead of like anything goes. And that's a bit where we are right now. Like you see, even genitals, it even goes further than genitals sometimes. It's go like purely towards like subjective preference. If you feel like a woman, then you are a woman and you can compete in, in women's sports. But this is the key. See, I think here is a line being drawn, right? I know people who are gay and they are men and they're attracted to men. That's fine. They still physically are a man. But how have we can have such a blurred line that we can't even discuss like, whoa, let's discuss if it's normal, you know, if someone just identifies as someone physically being something and just subjectively define themselves as something else. That's the first step. And the second step is like, whoa, should we force other people to accept that subjective reality that they should do it because else you offend them. How come that line is like blurred, you know? Well, to start with the last part, we live in a society where we went from survival of the fittest, which is often wrongly translated as survival of the strongest, but we went from survival of the fittest, a natural mechanism that only has one goal so that the species can not only can survive, but really can blossom. So that's really a natural mechanism, survival of the fittest. But we went from survival of the fittest to admiration of the weakest. And there's like a competition to the bottom. So if you belong to the most minority groups, if you are, if you are gay, you have uh, a dark skin color and you, and maybe you miss a limp or something, then you get a prize for being the, the saddest story. And you should, and, and that should give you respect and that should give you a job and that should give you. So the, what, what you ended with, we live in a world right now where you can only say the things that could not possibly offend anyone. And if that's the truth, then you cannot say anything because there's always someone offended. So there's two options. You can try to adjust the world and adjust the 7 billion people so that no one gets offended. Or we can say, well, my emotions are my responsibility. So if I get offended, I have to deal with something. Those are the two paths that we have to choose. I feel there's a war on personal responsibility. That is why when I teach my clients, I teach them to take personal responsibility, speak their truth and make an impact. That was the most powerful moment in my life when I realized most of my suffering was self-inflicted about my mindset towards things. This is not an excuse. 
that some things didn't go the way I wanted to, but I wasn't a baby <laughs> sucking on a thumb, asking mommy to give me what we want, a.k.a. the mother state, a.k.a. the tyrannical octopus with the tentacles that so-called so cares about people. I realized, whoa, it's partly my fault. That's liberating. It's under my control. That's Let me really focus liberating. Yeah. And it doesn't, personal responsibility doesn't mean that you don't point at things that are wrong in the world. But you do not point with your finger, you point with your behavior. You are building something for yourself that you believe in and that you think that is better instead of just complaining or even worse, pointing at the government, pointing at the refugees and saying that's they are the reason for my uh, the shit in my life. So yeah, personal res responsibility. And it starts with re taking responsibility of your emotions. And then we are free. If we choose path number number one, That means that everybody is imprisoned because you cannot say, you cannot speak freely because you might offend me. So I really think that it's really important that we, we choose the other path, that uh, we both take responsibility for our own emotions. So we are both free. I see a complete infantilization of people. People are treated like babies with a caretaker. They can't take their own decisions anymore. And on the other hand, I really think about what are the people who are seeing through the nonsense of what's going on right now. And I see two things that they have in common. One thing is it's like nonconformists. It's people who had to work hard just to be themselves. It's people who've been told, shut up, sit down, don't touch that, don't ask questions, just be normal. And they said, no, I'm just rejecting myself if I do that. So they were like a rebel with a cause, as I call it. And it's people who ask questions. Why are the people who ask the questions in class the annoying people? It's the heroes of the class. That's how you find answers. Ask questions. Not yep. only ask questions about the bigger things, ask about yourself, your values, where I am in life, how am I acting, how can I become a better person? It starts with asking questions. And it's so innate in children. They're so curious. They ask questions all the time. You don't have to teach them. You have to brainwash them to suck that out of them. And that's what I see right now. People who don't ask questions, do as you're told. You just give answers, prescribed answers, and not ask questions. And they're not defying authority, let alone stand in their own power and their own authority. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Children don't learn to ask questions. They learn the right answers. That's what they learn right now, also in, univer in Dutch universities. So you used to learn about, well... Let's say this is a country, this is what a Marxist would see, this is what a, a right-wing person would do. But now they, they, they don't teach you those different perspectives. They, they teach you the right answer. And the right, right answer in the Dutch university is an extreme leftist answer. And what's the crazy thing? Of, I live in Hungary. And there's only thing like, oh my God, the transphobic, homophobic, hunger in your law. The only thing is like, stop ideologically indoctrinating children. Let children be children. And if they want to make a choice later, that's perfectly fine. But stop having transgenders read fairy tales to children who are three years old and let them do quizzes about climate change and all that nonsense, you know, like nonsense. I mean, at that age, if you think the other way, that's fine. But what are you doing? Ideologically indoctrinating those children at such a young age. And that is in the Communist Manifesto. The children should be raised by the state, you know, destroying the nuclear family. But we know this. We read about this. But it seems that a lot of people don't know about culture Marxism. Oh, culture Marxism, that's just a conspiracy theory. Really? I know the Frankfurter Schule. I know the essay, you know, Repressive Tolerance by Marcuse. Read it online. It's actually in it. It's not, it would be say, saying like neoliberalism is a conspiracy theory. No, no, no. Attacking that is fine. But everything about Culture Marxism and leftist ideology, even in the 20th century, Satan is replaced by Hitler. It's all about the Jews, the Holocaust, etc. But what about all the people who died from Stalin, from Pol Pot, from Mao, what happened in China? That's like a whole More. side thing you yeah. see like in one class million. and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And, and a good question to ask yourself is, who is winning? Who is gaining by dismantling the nuclear family? Who is gaining by dismantling gender? who is gaining by dismantling faith. And I don't mean faith, just faith in God, but just faith in something bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. Who wins when testosterone levels set? We are 30% lower than 30 years ago, uh, us guys. So when the testosterone levels keep on dropping, who wins? So men get weaker and weaker. Who wins? When we don't live, when we are all the same, we're one genderless, familyless, faithless, mass of individuals that don't need each other because that's the propaganda as well women you don't need a man you don't need a man you don't need a man 
And now you've got men going their own way. We, we don't need women. So yeah. who's winning with all those disconnected, gray, colorless, genderless people? I think that's a really important question to ask yourself. I think that's a fantastic question to ask because one of the things that I listen, this podcast is all about freedom of speech. And when I say something, it's from my experience. It's not a preference. You know, I'm also, um, I'm going to, yeah, I always speak. I, I find powerful to speak with conviction. I mean, I speak my mind. I don't want to hurt people, but I am so disappointed in so many people in this crisis. These people, they preach values and they don't, they don't practice them. When you don't defend your values, when they're being challenged, they are preferences. <laughs> they are not values. Something becomes a value if, if it costs you money. Until that time, it's just talks. So, and what I really like about hardships it, is that they give you two magical opportunities. They give you the opportunity to, to become the person you want to be. So you always thought that you are, that integrity is really important yeah. for you, but it meant nothing. But during hardship, you can prove that to yourself and that way to the world. So that's the first thing you can, you can discover yourself. You can form yourself thanks to the hardship. Without the hardship, you cannot, you cannot show integrity. So you need, you need hardship. You need distractions. You need seduction. But the other thing is that you get to know other people and other companies. So here in the Netherlands, it's really clear to see who threw away their values mm -hmm. for some money yeah. and the people that paid the price. And I think that if you can be loyal to your own values, amen. And for the rest of your life, you can say to your children, to your grandchildren, I stood on that side of history, yeah. that peace of mind and soul and body, there's no price for that. That's the same thing for me, my soul. I want to look in the mirror and say, like, Daddy, you know what? I did something and I stood up for it. Without my values, I'm just an automaton. I'm just a, a, a bee in the beehive, you know? Going back, I'm, I'm curious about this question, indeed, the dismantling of the nuclear family, lack of uh, focusing on polarity because pe both men and women are dissatisfied in relationships, climate change, well, you know, humans as parasites, overpopulation, etc. I do see whether you believe in a depopulation agenda or not, transgender is a non-sexual agenda. Dismantling of the nuclear family, you know, you have less children, less satisfied relationship, you have less children testosterone going down, heavy metals in like food and other things, it goes down. And when you see the transhumanist agenda, humans are not so necessary anymore. I've been reflecting about it in the future. I think we have two classes. The pariahs like you had in, in, in India, if you not upgrade yourself and become a cyborg, you will be a second rate human because machines will do it better than you. So there will just be machines and then semi-machines because human and humanity, everything that it stands for when it comes to worshiping the idol of technology, they're going to become second-rate citizens. Correct. Yeah, there's a really big problem because right now in the Netherlands, the top 1% owns 50% of the wealth, of the wealth, not of the income, but of the wealth. Then the top 10% owns the next 35% of the wealth. So the bottom 90% has the remaining 15% of the wealth. So let that sink in. So there is, no, there is no middle class. I don't think nowhere, but especially not in the Netherlands. There is no middle class. There is up 10% and there's bottom. And right now, that bottom 90% is paying, is paying the bills for the, the, they are paying taxes that are the top 10% are not paying taxes. They are paying interest over their money that the, top, the, the there are two kinds of people, people that pay interest, 90% of the people, people that uh, receive interest, 10% of the people. So all is well, the system works. But here in, uh, in Amsterdam, half of the registers in the supermarket, they are gone. They're robots. If I go to the Chinese boat in front of the central station, my food is brought to me. Uh, and it's really uh, not a high end, but it's a good restaurant. Yeah. My food is brought to me by a, by a robot. In marketing, half of the jobs are gone, done by robots 24-7, way better than any human being it, uh, could ever do it. So that bottom 90%, 90% of those people will become obsolete within five years so it's a really that's not a scary question to ask yourself now they have a function because they pay taxes and they pay interest if that function disappears what will happen to them that's, well, that's the thing and, and watch the app it's one of my favorite series the twilight zone from the end of the 50s watch the series the obsolete man it could only make sense watch it you will love it it's fantastic 
most people who listen to this podcast and young people, you don't realize that 60 to 70% of the current job, they will freaking disappear. And yep. another thing that people who survive in this crisis and will thrive is people who see the bigger picture and think fast forward, you know, like a lot of times the coming 10 years, but fear keeps you in the current state. But I'm telling you so many jobs, machine learning, 3D printing, you know, like artificial intelligence, like really your job and what you do they can take over creativity and you will notice no distinction anymore. They will have like, what, what is it called? The, the it's a, what test they have like a test to see like if it's a human or not a human, they have a name for it. I think between this, I mean, we Kurzweil says 2030, they love to play with numbers. 2030, you have 10, 10 years to prepare to almost becoming obsolete. Are yeah. you so nihilistic or realistic when it comes down to that? Because you can always give another perspective about it. Against better judgments. I, I choose to build and work in a way that I think that everything will work out against my own judgment. So I, because otherwise I would go crazy. So, and, and, and I think that it's difficult for the listeners right now. Wow. Okay. All those big terms, prepare, prepare yourself. How am I going to prepare myself yeah, yeah. against uh, artificial intelligence? I think the one thing that you can do in in, and can focus on in everything that you do and that will make a big impact on you as a uh, human being as uh, as an entrepreneur is focus on the human connection because right now that's the one thing that no artificial intelligence can do and i always give the example if i go to a, a building and i'm greeted by a really grumpy receptionist always always the same always very gr uh, grumpy and doesn't know who i am even though i'm there uh, a lot of a lot if that person if that receptionist can be changed replaced by a robot i would say yes a robot that knows my name that says ah tibor yeah. there you are your coffee is ready i would choose. but if it could be, if he or she could be replaced by a human being that is not perfect and it says, hey, there you are. And what did you drink? Cappuccino? No, espresso. Ah, I will make you an espresso. And there's this human connection. I would choose that all day above the perfect robot. So whatever your business is, ask yourself this question. How can I insert more human connection yeah. in my business? How can I see my customer more? But even more important, how can I make sure that the customer feels seen? This is fantastic what you say, because I've also been thinking about it also with everything with the COVID, SKAM. They've been reducing the human element in everything. So I see some waiters when I was back in Belgium, I live in Budapest right now, you had to order with an app and they just bring it to your table. And I yeah. said to the waiter, you're making your job obsolete. Are you not getting it? The role you play right now could easily be replaced with a robot. Same thing with, yeah, we can open and we test and then they test. And with the test, the infections go up. And because the infections go up, they have to be closing. You're building your own prison. Yep. You're building your own prison. Yep. I think we purposely have to think about what is a fulfilling life? What is humanity? What makes us human? And then we claim that because we've been following, you know, like following, like running behind and becoming exhausted, this idol of technology, this forward progress in the name of technology. I think if we keep on putting it at the forefront, maybe I'm too naive. And then when you've grown up as a teenager, you're just sucked in it and you don't question it. But I think we need to reclaim it and put it at its proper place, especially now in this transition period. Exactly. Exactly. So you have two options and that is try to run faster and faster each day so you can keep keep up or maybe even be number one but but you're only number one for the day so tomorrow you have to get up really early and uh, and start sprinting again so that's option number one or you can go back to the core you can do a lot less so you can focus way more on just a few things that matter more and I think that the, the goal of life is just to live life fully because it's really short. You will die and, and it would be a shame if you limited yourself because we, we tell ourselves that we are limited, that we're not living fully because of the government, because of taxes or whatever. But if you really zoom in, you'll see that, uh, like you told, you are your biggest limitation right now. So I think the goal of life is to find uh, the ways that you're limiting yourself and study those ways and, and stop so that you can stop doing it. But I think that the meaning of life are the difficult choices that we make. And a choice is all about saying no to a million things. So if you choose as a man for one woman, you have to say no. That's really easy to say at the altar. Uh, yes, I do for the rest of my life. But can you say no 
those 60 years coming to all those other options. If you, as an entrepreneur, if you choose for this one product, you have to say no, or this one customer segment, you have to say no to all the other uh, great options. So, and meaning comes from that. So meaning comes from choosing your own limitations. And I think this is one of the biggest secrets of life that is hidden in plain sight. Meaning of life comes from choosing your own limitations. That one person, that one idea, that one customer segment. And Freud said, well, mankind only, or men, they just want, they long for entertainment and sedation. And I think that he was wrong. And I, I, I'm not sure, but I think that one of his students, Jung, said something like, men long for meaning. And by a lack of meaning, they start looking for entertainment and sedation. And this is what's happening right now. There's a big lack of meaning. Why? Because we stopped choosing. Why did we stop choosing? Because Instagram tells us that we don't have to choose, that we can have everything. If you, if you optimize and hack your life the right way, you don't have to choose. And this is, you don't, you don't have to choose your limitations. And because we stopped choosing our own limitations, we live in a prison. Amen. I think everybody should also watch the documentary, The Century of Self, about Edward Bernays, the nephew of Freud. And I think we have mistaken our own sense of identity and purpose by consuming things, by objects. We, we are what we buy. We are what we consume. And we get consumed by it. We get a culture of convenience, a culture of comfort. People mistake convenience and comfort with freedom. Oh, I'm free when I, when I can purchase comfort again. <laughs> and now I can buy something to numb myself again. But truly... Facing yourself, questioning yourself, that is anxiety. That is wrestling with anxiety. And anxiety is pretty close related to meaning because there's anxiety. Where's anxiety? There's some meaning there. There's some reflection there, but that's wrestling with yourself. Exactly. But that's, that's where the power lies. That's where power lies. That's where, that's where freedom lies. So if you look at the happiest moments of your life, so let's take two. One was the moment when you looked in, into these, those, those eyes, maybe, maybe your partner, maybe your child. You felt freedom. And, and why did you feel freedom? Because you lose yourself in, the, in that kind of moments. And you lose yourself, your ego. Everything is gone. All that I have to prove myself, I, have to, I, I need recognition. All that's gone in that moment when you stare in those eyes. So that's one moment of freedom. How do you get to that moment? By limitations. Otherwise, you will not get to that moment. Let's take another moment. You're, maybe you're a surfer, maybe you're a climber and you're on top of the wave, on top of the mountain, or you're, you're, you're catching the wave and you're succeeding flow from cheeks and the, the rider. Cheeks and me high, yeah. Cheeks and me eyes. Um, <laughs> I spoke from Hungary, yeah? yeah? Yeah. So flow. So when your competence level meets the challenge, if I want to catch a, a two or three or four meter wave, I need to be really competent at surf, surfing. How can I get competent at surfing by not also practicing, wrestling, dancing, whatever, no, focusing on, on serving. So by limiting myself to that sport, I will enjoy moments of pure freedom on top of that wave. But and the problem of people is that they are, and this is why this archetypical team comes in the box of Pandora, in Blackbeard, in Adam and Eve, curiosity will be the downfall of people because people always want to test their limits. And at one point you open a door that you wish you hadn't opened exactly. and you can't close it again. So sometimes there's forbidding knowledge or poisoned knowledge that you shouldn't open because with every portal that goes open, you have to use not your willpower, your want power. Willpower is much more want power. And we have to say no all the time and are, are tempted all the time. Like Odyssey, you know, when his mast had to put wax in his ears to stay on course, you're just drained from saying no all the time. So one of the easy ways is to not even open that door or not even want to discover it. But that's fighting your curiosity and maybe using it in an area of limitations where you can maximize your potential. Yeah, and maximize your curiosity. And I think that in our hunts, to the perfect life, this is the, the core of the, of the heart of the matter. In our hunt for the perfect life, we sacrifice the good life. So because Instagram tells us that everything should and could be perfect, not good, but perfect, then you open a, a specific Pandora's box, namely the Pandora's box, it might be better. So I'm in this relationship that we are fighting the last couple of weeks and there's a really cute girl and, I, and, and she doesn't make me feel this way. So it might be better with her. Then you make the switch. 
what do you think that now you've opened Pandora's box? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you always should stay within what, what, yeah. uh, at all costs at one relation. If you're in a toxic relationship, please leave. But now you've opened Pandora's box. If you, if you switch because it might be better because six months later you see another girl and it might be better. And there you go. Always chasing, always consuming and never satisfied. And that's some living hell. You know, to be the devil's advocate, because I, I think you're a bit like me, like I'm sometimes black and white, black hole focused, super committed, super structured, cross your day, like Jocko Willick, et cetera. So this is paradoxical. I, I, I taught it to recovering perfectionist, like I'm still hand. Sometimes achieving more is doing less. Exactly. Working on your business instead of your busyness, as I say, you know, setting limits around, which I still have difficulty with. I'm going to be honest with it. So it's not like discipline, structure, do it, commitment, because that's also a negative side of going too hard there. It's always like, you know, finding a little bit of a middle ground. It's always a dance. Is it something that you notice at a certain point? Because what I notice sometimes, I, I describe it at three stages, you know, sometimes you're like your victim mind state, like, why is this happening to me? Then you have the second thing, like, the hustle state, I'm going to make it happen, you know? And then you have more the exploration phase, like, let's see what happens. I'm a bit in that stage, but it's it's very hard for someone who doesn't have directions and goals and purpose to say like, okay, you know, relax and be on and off and have a nice rhythm. Maybe you first need that stage of hustling, grabbing, forcing, building skills, or do you think you can immediately find more of a harmony and balance? Well, beautiful question. And two things. I think there's a fourth level after I'm just going to let see what happens, what what a really natural answer is to that phase before that. I'm going to make it happen that there's a phase or maybe that's what you're trying to to explain. But then there's a phase that you see what happens and you move with what what is happening. It's like the Dao way. You're still in action. You still are getting out of your chair. You're doing more than just making a vision board and meditating next Mm. to a waterfall but you're living with life instead of against life. And I think a lot of people are asking God or the universe what they want from life. But if they stopped running and would just listen, they would hear what life wants from them. And if you give life what it wants from you, then you will get what you want from life. So that's that's one thing. And then to answer your question, yes, I think that it's really important to be successful in the wrong stuff and the wrong stuff is the the goals that you are trying to achieve because you want recognition from your daddy Mm -hmm. or you don't want to upset mommy and i think it's really important to get successful in the goals of your daddy and your mommy so you will notice once you achieve them it's now you're you're certain ah this is not it if you just read about it if you listen to this podcast ah okay that's not it then you will a part of you will not believe it a part of you will believe that if you get that job that your father always wanted, or if you do uh, develop those uh, that character that your mama always advocated for, uh, then life will be better. So I think, and this is really a strategy. So there's a group of people that is trying to achieve the goals of their parents and mm. that are not successful in those goals. So they never get to the point that they can see, well, this is not it. So the rest of their life, they're trying to achieve the goals, not their own goals. They're not living their own life. So yes, I think it's really important to hustle, to work hard when you're 20, when you're 30, to achieve stuff so that you know for sure, wow, this is not it. And then you can start looking for the meaning in your life. What are your? What are the limitations that you need? Yeah, I think success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. And exactly. you know, I still go through this. Once I'll be happy when I just need this, I just need to finish this. And then sometimes I need, and I'm curious how you create the pause, the silence. If you do it through psychedelics, meditation, doing a retreat, meditating, because life is so noisy that you say like to have honest conversation with yourself, like, dude, what are you doing it for? Yeah. You thought you would be happy when, and then there's another thing. And there's another thing. You keep on sacrificing the present for the future that never comes. Exactly. So I really am a student of stoicism. So because of death, I really enjoy life more because I, I, I think about death daily and that helps me live more fully. Then maybe to answer your question, this is a good example of the dance between structure and, and mm-hmm. creation and flow. So I know that I need the silence. So what did I do? I bought a dog. So, yeah. so I have to go outside so and then take a yeah. break and stop working. Yeah. yeah. So two hours a day, I'm, I'm in the forest uh, with, that, with that spirit. 
that's always happy and in the moment because there's also a group of people that like you you said that's crashing through the other side eh? that always gets up at five eyes bath then then focus till uh, for four hours without eating without opening email etc etc so it's always this dance between those two forces and i and i and i i i also think that we should dance more and that it's not a fight between two forces it's not a balancing act between two forces it's a dance and if and i think that metaphor could help a lot of people it's like know thyself. It's super important. I delve a lot into personality. So I know the different personality types because a lot of productivity books, they're written by ENTJs and they're structure freaks like get up 5am, time blocks, do it, crush the day, etc. works for them. But other people like it's exhausting because it's not them, you know. So in the end, you want to adapt your business to your personality, not the other way around. You want to adapt your business to your lifestyle and not the other way around. Because then you will procrastinate, then you will be burned out because you're less in tune with the natural flow. When you talked about the natural flow, which reminds me a bit of the Tao of uh, Lao Tzu, are there some things how you notice what the universe is wanting you to do? Do you set intentions? Do you visualize? Do you work on manifestation? Is there any way how you get in tune with my body, the universe points me towards this? Yeah, I silence and doing nothing. And, and of course, once in a while, not every morning, I take ice baths or I go into the cold. I go into, I go into solitude. Every quarter, I go uh, uh, a full day in solitude. And every year, I go a full week in solitude uh, where I um, don't eat the first five days uh, and without internet and stuff. So that's the, the, the structure. But it, you can only uh, hear the voice inside of you that's and that's just a voice outside of you projected inside of you of all the archetypes all the wisdom of your grandparents their grandparents but you can only that voice is whispering because you are running so much and you are shouting so much and you can only hear that whisper okay. whispering voice if you stop stop running and 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 just seek silence so that's the the one thing that i do and to talk a little bit more about what you just said i th- uh, know thyself so i think you really need two things you need a, a good worldview a correct world view and a correct self view. And from that point, if you know how the world works, if you know how you work, so you know who you are, then it's a really simple question. What do you want? And I'm not, not what's the perfect life for you. No, what do you need for a good life? So what do you need for an, an even smaller? What do you need for a good day? So that you can go into your bed at night and say, wow, this was a good day. What do you really need for that? And then if you write that down, you will discover that it's not really very much. And you will discover that you're not giving any attention to it right now, to those things that really matter for you to have a good day. So, and I think the reason why people do not know who they are is and not know what they want is because they don't speak out what they want. And because if you speak out what you want, what you really want, I don't know what you really want, but if you would say to me what you really want, I could see you. I could see who you are. And if I can see who you are, I can judge you. And that's the biggest fear of all of, all of humanity, yeah? being judged by, by other people. So we don't say what we really want, so we don't get what we really want. So a few things I think we should aim not on the perfect life, but on a good day. And if you want to achieve that good day, and you don't need to achieve every day eh, a, a good day but if more days are good than than the, than bad then you have a good life and to get there study yourself study your world and from there live as much as possible so to talk a little bit about the covid so safety is always from the external no it, it it's mm-hmm. it, it, it it avoids stuff avoids life avoid life and then you then you then you are safe so it it builds dependence but re- resilience comes from within you and it makes it helps you carry yourself but more importantly it helps you live life because you're resilient so you can handle the the opinion of the the person that thinks differently you can handle uh, the flu you can handle uh, a little bit of cold so that's that path of the of the most resistance that i really like to talk about i think we people should should seek more if we look at nature we should seek more resistance because it helps us discover ourselves it helps us develop our competencies exactly exactly yep and it helps you it makes you able to live life fully instead of avoiding life as much as possible 
uh, before your death. And I'm like you, I asked you like, what kind of coach are you? And said, you're more like a teacher, you know, who, who, who puts the answers and the questioning within their students. I, I tell a lot of my clients, like, you're not making the impact that you want because you're not willing to be disliked. Yeah. You're not meant here to be liked by everyone. You have a banner, you have a mission, and there's some people behind your banner and you want to stand there, speak your truth and stand proudly, which women and men can do. But it's a personal topic for me that hurts my heart when I see the current men, they... And a lot of these things, like I'm going to call it out as it is, it has to do with lack of father figures or being raised by a single mom. 100%, 100%. And it really hurts me when I see that lack of spine, lack of direction, that the resentfulness even in women of being with that kind of man in a relationship, while they could be like, I'm not talking about dominant or being better, but just like powerful men on a mission, you know, with a direction. But they're aimless. It's not, I know this when young men came to me in their 20s, I saw the pattern so much. When I see that they're aimless and directionless, single mom or no father figure. 100%. So many times. I don't know if 100%. you had the same experience with 100%. men. Or- and it's, uh, you can find it all over uh, scientific literature. And what you just said, attraction comes with judgment or even a- and a lot of dislikes and even hatred. So if you want attraction, you, everything is a dance. Everything comes with a price. You should pay the price of judgment and, and, and dislikes. And if you don't want to pay that price, then you will not get this. How do we, t- you think is what the best way is to build men up? Do you think of initiation rituals, men only kind of activities again, to go back to archetypes from movies? Because I personally think that current day movies are filth and they, they pervert kind of the archetypical communication and way in a very subtle way, in a cultural way. We, we really don't see how much is dripping into the societal narrative. Have you as a, someone who's been in a special unit, maybe also developing masculinity, what do you think are some tools to give young men or use it to guide their way? Yeah, you've talked about the most important one, and that's, that's guidance, masculine examples. And if we look at what, how developed men is through competition, we need competition. And in that competition, we develop competence, what's the, the number one thing, especially for us men, to build up attraction for women and, and, and to handle life. So in competition, we, we find competence, but also correction from other men and that's also something that's lacking so right now a stupid boy can say and there are a lot of stupid boys um, 40 years old but a stupid boy can say really stupid things without any consequences like 60 years ago if you would say something (laughs) stupid you would get punched in the face yeah and you would remember ah i shouldn't behave this way yeah but now because and, and then we talked about it because of this beautiful message of no violence, and eh, it's a beautiful message, they're removing goals from playgrounds uh, because it's not about the goal, it's about the, the game. Yeah? So they're yeah. taking away the competition from, from guys. I never forget, my, I have two younger brothers, uh, they're my full brothers, but they're 15 and 17 years younger than me. So one time they went to the movies with their preschool. How do you, how do you call it in English? Yeah, fine. yeah, they're like eight years old, something like that. And they were there early with the class. So all the guys, it's the, the arena football stadium. They were all the, all the, uh, the boys, they were running, they were playing tags and they were shouting. They were having the time of their life. And then the teachers, women said, everybody stop doing that because you might hurt yourself. And it's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. And this is maybe the, 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 the heart of the matter. They might hurt themselves. And this is how I reframe it in your way. It's not like you might hurt yourself. It's like you might discover where your boundaries lie. Exactly. Exactly. So they cannot discover their boundaries. They cannot. And you always find your freedom at your boundaries. There's, there's, there's where you find freedom. And then they had to come stand in a circle, hold hands and sing songs. Because that's, <laughs> that's, and I could, and I will never forget the face of my, of my brother, you know, that was having the time of his life and then learned how he should behave. And what's dangerous and what's, what's good be behavior. So the, us guys, we need competition. We need to confront other guys in our surroundings. Of course, we need initiation rituals. We need good father figures. We don't need a government that propagates propagandizes uh, single, <laughs> single, 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 uh, single motherhood. That's, uh, there's a big propaganda machine also in the Netherlands. For single motherhood, it is financial more interesting. And this is one of the most, I have most controversial opinions. I think it's, uh, 
I think it shouldn't be allowed for, you know, they call it, I don't know, it bombs consciously unmarried wife, uh, a woman who wants to become a mom by herself. I think that shouldn't be allowed. Like adopt a child, okay, but it's already hard to raise a child with two parents. Okay, if you divorce, then you divorce. But to think that this kind of family model is fine to raise a child in and that it's okay. I don't think it's it's one of the most controversial opinions. I think it's not okay as a default. And and it's always toxic masculinity. How can it be too much masculinity when we see, you know, 80% of the teachers or 90% of teachers are women, you know, most Nine of the people, nine yeah. ju- juvenile delinquents, the biggest predictor is being raised with a single mom or having no father figure. Yeah. So it's a lack of masculinity, not too little masculinity. Exactly. There's no, there's no too much toxic masculinity. There's too little grown masculinity that's the problem and how do you grow masculinity good examples competition confrontations let them let them bump them into each other let them get rid of their energy instead of saying to tom sit still take this pill and shut up look at those girls they are sitting still they are listening be more like them you are a, a wrong version of a girl that's the message that young boys get yeah, they get less grades just for being a boy. They did like tests with it. And there's also when I did sociology, I graduated in the hive's nest of the extreme left thinking. I can't even know how I survived it. They showed that mixed classes are not good for boys. It's better to be separate and then maybe like meet women on the playground. But boys exactly. are better among boys. Exactly. There's this, I don't know the name there. There's this really awesome school in England where they they teach, for example, history about some war a hundred years ago. And then all the boys, they, they make shields and swords and they paint themselves and then they fight the, the battle uh, while learning about uh, those boys. They want to learn. They want to learn about the battles, but they're being taught in a way that matches them instead of being pushed into a mold that doesn't suit them. Yeah. And you see the switching of polarity right now. I don't know how it is in the Netherlands, but I see more uh, women being critical towards the measures and what's going on, like 80% of women and mothers like fighting, but I see most men just being silent, <laughs> drinking their soy latte, skinny jeans and not doing anything. Exactly the same in the Netherlands. It's all women. It's all women. Through history, if, if the Vikings that, that took the Romans, what, what do they do ultimately? The, the men became weak. So they kill the men, they rape the women, and then this new civilization starts. It's way easier instead of fighting with the men to just make the men weak, make sure that the men don't fight and then you can get to the women. That's this what is what people don't realize. We are living in World War III for more than a year and a half now. It's a war and the weapons are perception weapons, information weapons. It's worse than in World War II with an evening clock and you couldn't go outside and you couldn't hug, etc. In Sarajevo, they could still like do it. I visited it like three years ago. But because of people mistake this freedom with comfort and they can drink their cocktail, they think and like safety. Yeah, safety. And safety, yeah. Yeah. Safety always comes with with a big price. I don't who, who from who is this quote? If you if you choose safety over uh, freedom, you will lose both. And that's what we are seeing right now. I really feel sorry for all the kids. And all the entrepreneurs that took the, the, the injection, mm-hmm. that worked with the agenda, helped testing, etc., mm-hmm. believing that they would get their liber- uh, freedom back. And then now in the Netherlands, there are new measures. Again, you're not free at, at all. You still need to be tested all the time if you want to travel, if you want to go to a festival, etc., I feel like, whoa, you put your entire body at stake. Like, you know, even if I don't agree, you should get a reward. I mean, you know, false and superficial reward, but you should get a reward. So I'm trying to keep some empathy towards the people who made another choice than me because we will need some of those people in the future. The fact is, will they be led by the attack on non-vaccinated people, non-caffeinated people? Or will they just keep on following the propaganda? Or will they say like, enough is enough. We've been doing this all the time. This is not livable. It keeps on getting worse. Maybe some of those people will switch. So I don't want to play this polarization game. Yeah, because but no, no, totally agree with you. And I really respect, respect them. If you, if you, like my parents, both of my parents, highly educated, really smart people, mm-hmm. have been watching the news for 40 years daily, reading a newspaper 40 years daily, 40 years more yeah. than that, daily. So I don't blame them anything. They're looking at me. Uh, what are you talking about? Yeah, this is on the news. The, friends, the, the, the people of France are really happy with the new measurements. The good news is, is that 
once you see something, you cannot unsee it. We all know those drawings that once you see it, you cannot unsee it. The same like the goes, guy in the movie Awake or whatever, and then he suddenly sees that obey, you know, consume, exactly. that he sees all the subliminal yeah. images. Exactly. So it's the same with this. Once you see the flows of money, once you see how pharma, governments, media are all connected because it's all facts. Once you see in the Netherlands, the hospitals are empty. Or the whole of Netherlands is code red mm-hmm. since, since a few days. There are five, five people uh, per day with a positive PCR test yeah. in the hospital. So if you have a car accident and you need to go to the hospital because of the car accident, PCR test, 80%, 90% false yeah. positive, yeah. then you're one of those five. Yeah. So once you see all those facts, there's no way of unseeing it. So I believe or I know that every day a group of people is for the first time seeing it. And then the group of people that has seen it, that has their eyes open, is only growing because once you see it, you cannot go back. Ah, no, I, yeah, no, I don't see people making the other way, no, you know? No. So the only <laughs> movement is from believing the propaganda to seeing the truth. That's the only, and it's slow and you will not see it on the news, but it is happening day in, day out, day in, day out. So the only move that I suddenly think of that could make people switch if, if they would enhance the virus so much that it would be super deadly suddenly, then it's exactly. like, oh yeah, now we need to do it, right? Pars 2025, they already published it. It's Pars 2025, so in uh, 2528. So they also published the span. So from 2025, what if this was the exercise, the same players, World Economic mm. Forum, John Hopkins Institute, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. What if in 2025, a serious SARS virus would would emerge with a EFR of at least four or five percent, and then at the same time, Cyber Polygon, another exercise of the same players. If at the same time, like in Cuba right now, the internet stopped working, not the internet, but of course social media, the news sites governed by the the government, they will still be reachable. What would happen then? So we know what's going to happen. Well, it's the summer of 2021, and here's the news with Phil. And I'm going to tell you that probably between this and a year, you can tag me, people, there's going to be a cyber attack. How do I know there's going to be a cyber attack? Because they already rehearsed a cyber attack. And why did they do cyber attack? To protect you, of course. Hmm, let's go a bit deeper. Cyber attack, they can steal your data. People saying that they need your data to protect you from people stealing their data. So they got more data and they got what they always wanted in the first place. This is how they always do it. They don't directly ask what they want. They create the public opinion through some information, NGOs, etc., and fear, fake polls. 90% of French people are for everybody getting a passport. Yeah, they, they interviewed 1,082-year-olds uh, 80, with four underlying illnesses. But that's how you like artificially create public opinion, you know, and then milk it and create it. And it's like, oh, it seems that society wants this. So, okay, we might as well create the solution, which they wanted in the first. That's how complicated it is when you don't look at the bigger picture, like why is this happening? This is also why it went from hate speech and now they're moving towards potentially harmful content, which means content that doesn't align with the prescribed narrative. But yep. that's once you see the bigger picture and zoom out, you can see it. But once you're in that fear bubble and in that news, you just don't see the just bigger level at which facts and numbers and public opinions are being artificially created and indoctrinated. Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. How did you wake up? What was your wake up moment? What was your fact of working for the police, which often is like, you know, like, you know, follow orders or maybe you were creative there giving like some teachings, but what opened you up? Like, hmm, what I'm I'm being taught is different than what I'm being fed. So, of course, I've seen their things and I will not, out of respect for for my colleagues, will open up uh, on that. Mm -hmm. But of course, I've seen news being created literally literally so from first hand then for my for my company in the work that i did i started digging deeper in the financial industry i always so that's that was one way up then i because of my health i started digging in the food industry uh, well, and then i and then i found the same few players at the top and then covid just exponentially sped things up but it doesn't matter if you go in through the food industry, pharma, 
financial, you get the same players and, uh, and then you see the, the big pyramid and, and the big picture as well. This is one of the things, and I try to do it from curiosity, which sometimes is a bit difficult when you have less empathy of the people towards my decisions and they think I'm a psychopath who wants to kill my grandma. They can't believe that all the people are in it, but it's a perceptual game. You don't have to be in it. It can be psychological. It's not that everybody who makes these decisions and isn't complying that, that they consciously made that decisions and want to contribute yeah. to it. Yeah. But Thanks. this lie is so big, so grand that there's a mechanism that people have, like it can't be so big. It can be so widespread. Yep. And people get the governments they deserve not the governments, and even they get the governments they need. And we are people that need boundaries because we don't choose our own boundaries. So now we get a government that uh, is going to tie you down. So the answer is this, choose your own boundaries. Make sure that you are not helping pharma, making you a client. Make sure that you're not helping the financial industry, digging a big hole of, 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 uh, in front of yourself. So you can do stuff to make you not vulnerable. Life shit always happens. Eh? You can get sick. You can get something can happen, but you can make some decisions. You can choose some limitations so that you're on your wealth, on your vitality, on your self-confidence. If you stop scrolling and start working on yourself and living life, that you're not becoming a victim. So if you start choosing our own limitations more, then we don't need a government to do that for us. But if we keep on living life without any limitations, we someone else is going to uh, limit yeah, you. Yeah, I got a Facebook ban from 30 days right now. And in the future, I want to hire someone to post the content for me and have conversations with people, potentially invest in my life-changing offer, which is my client closer academy. But I'm realizing like I'm paying with my attention on that tyrannical, filthy, disgusting platform. And at the moment, I need it. But in the future, I don't want to spend my time and energy on it because that's the thing that makes me sometimes a bit you know, nihilistic of the people have so much influence because they had so much money, power, and influence. And who is getting more money, power, and influence in this? They even get more. The media, Facebook, YouTube, pharma, like un unhealthy delivery services that go up. So they were able to do this because they had a lot of money, power, and influence, but they even have it more. But do you think they go so fast that there's an awakening or this brought shit out in the shadows that there will be bottom-up counter-movement? Because those big players made 10, 15, 20% more profit during the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. So uh, everything that goes up goes down. Life works in cycles. Nature works in cycles. But if you look at World War II, some, I, I'm hoping that this cycle will not take six years, but it might, or it might even longer. It's really, it's really possible, but everything collapses. Good things collapse, bad things collapse. Everything is temporal. So to make things more specific, I think that next year, if, if we are still in this shit, then the, the parallel movements will be so big and well-organized that it's, if you want to, and you don't want to get injected and still go on vacation, it's going to be possible. If you want to go to a party without a Corona passport, it will be possible. So I'm hoping that uh, this will be the last year that now the, 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 really the masses, like in France, they're not showing it on, mm -hmm. on the news, but like millions of people. And on the news, they say thousands of people or even hundreds of people are standing up. I hope that they overplayed their hand. I think they might especially in the in the Netherlands but we'll see and and if not then there will always be a group of people i hope including myself that will find their their way and that will connect with each other and and help each other and i stopped fighting because it cost me my back last year a hernia and i started dancing so i the stress I, you mean you mean that to to carry it on your back yeah so much exactly shit. exactly if you have a hernia especially as a guy but uh, it's for, for everybody it's always anger it's always too much uh, fighting so and i and i i started listening to my my own preaches so i started dancing more building serving people building stuff that i believe in uh, that might serve the world and might serve people and i think that and I, I'm seeing that more and more people are doing that. And if we focus on that human connection where we talked about that, there's nothing so powerful as that. And that's exactly the reason why they are trying to uh, dismantle that human connection. But if we do that, 
even I might have some hope for the for the future. For people who are just curious and open to give them a little bit of a gateway towards like asking questions or becoming conscious is there is there because always people look for this like i mean i know some people they just bombard them this happened this was this was a sci-hope he's controlled opposition it's like whoa like too much information right how do you drip a little bit of information or a question is something that you do like hey i can check this out or check this resource etc well, you should have a really simple rule for yourself and the rule is today should be a good day so mm. that's the rule so if you're all all day long reading all these all these articles and whatever and you're noticing that you're only getting frustrated and getting more angry you're doing something wrong. So I think that that's a sufficient answer because everybody's different but have a rule that today should be a good day. You will not succeed every day but try to aim that. I think it's a noble aim to have a, a good day and then if you want answers start looking for them and you will find them. But when you start noticing, well, now I'm losing uh, my streak of good days, then uh, make a little change. And do you do that through habits? Do you have any kind of habits that you do or set an intention? So I think that I'm in, uh, in I, I, I used, I think now I'm 40, this year 41. So I used to be about all, all about schedules and habits mm -hmm. and stuff. I did that for a long time, maybe, maybe, maybe 20 years. And now I'm more in a, in, a, in a flow state of my life. So I need less force to get things done and I can do it more in a flow state. And it doesn't mean that I wake up at 10 and then this do what I feel like, but less, less habits. So there's no, no great secret or sexy answer I, I have there. No. And you have children or not? No, I don't have children. I, I, I'm 38. And I mean, it's with women also, but I think, you know, men go in their own way, what you said. I've also think like I'm, I haven't been masculine enough. I haven't been contained in my energy enough and fulfilled my purpose enough. But a part of me would love to pass on some knowledge to a child and I can still do it once I can. But I turned 38 right now. And it's also a question like, how do I respond to spend my 40s, you know? And is there some narrative? Because you question a lot of grand narratives, right? What was being told that it's like, damn, I could have maybe spent my 30s, you know, and then building myself up and thinking as a, as a strong father. Is something about that also something that you had the last years or you yep. always, yeah. So where I went through is I, I, I don't want to put any children on this world. That was uh, one year ago before the hernia. Mm. And now I really, I really, really do want to put some children on this world because I, I think that the world needs more children from conscious parents, conscious, loving, caring parents that are in connection with themselves, with other people, other human beings and the, and the greater, the greater good. So I think the biggest legacy that a man can leave behind is, is uh, are some beautiful children. Man, it's fantastic that you also had that response because other people have like hopelessness, like, no, now I'm not going to have children. But that's also why I'm, I mean, I will see, I will not force it, you know, if it wasn't meant to be. I'm not going to be like some women in a 33-year-old and her ovaries started like ringing and they need to have a guy and then they're with the guy and then after the year they divorce, which I think is a pity for the children. But I think when I can create I mean, the child can think for itself. I mean, everybody would love the child to take over some principles, but, you know, thinking for themselves is the most important thing. But if I could create like a rebel with a cause, a change maker, a thought leader, you don't have to be afraid of sheep. Sheep are led by wolf and by shepherds, but you just need a shepherd, you know, not a wolf or someone inspirational and with their banner. And you can rally people behind your cause. You don't need 1 billion leaders to move forward, but you need some people who are willing to take personal responsibility, speak their truth and make an impact. And it's great that you can pass that on a part of yourself and your worldview, you know? Yeah. Have you also become more religious? I, I have because I've seen the extent to which evil is a thing. Because there's something that happened that I never thought imaginable that someone can do and that you yeah. can be so corrupted. Yeah. Right now I'm studying. Studying is maybe a big word. I'm reading the Quran. I'm reading the Bible. I talk a lot with friends of mine who are, are Muslim or are mm -hmm. Christian. And we always come to the same conclusions. Always. Always. Only the, the path towards that conclusion. My path goes through nature and their path goes through Allah or God. But the, the, the wisdom, if, if there are books that are, are, are 
2,000 years old and still being passed on to the next generation, it would be really, really, really stupid to say, well, there's nothing there. So more religious, I don't know. I'm really open to the idea of God, but I'm definitely studying their literature. Yeah. If people are more open to study your teachings and tell a bit maybe more about your retreats, where can they check out more about you and uh, your great work? Well, it's all in Dutch, so it's only for the for the Dutchies. If you just want to connect with me uh, the, the, uh, or send me a message, I think it's the best to do it uh, via Instagram. On all the channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, the the, the website, uh, YouTube, just tibor.nl, NL, uh, and you'll find me. I'd love to connect. What is your intention and what kind of message would you give to people? Like, I think, you know, Game of Thrones style, haven't seen it, but they say like winter is coming for the dark times that are coming probably with increasing polarization. I think so, starting from October. What's your intention and message to people of going through that period and where to put their energy and focus? Yeah, take care of your shit and do it without, do it, do it from a point of, of love. So not fighting, but dancing, not breaking things down, but build something and, but really take care of yourself. So that starts with being really, really honest. So take a look in the mirror, really uh, take a look in the mirror without your clothes on. What's the status of your body? Take a look at your cash flow, at your bank accounts. What's the state uh, over there? Assess your relationships and assess your self-confidence. I think those are the four most important parts of your life. So make an assessment of those parts. Because those are the parts that the system is designed to get you at. If you're, if you're not healthy, if you are in debt, if you are afraid of the world, and if you are insecure about yourself, they will get you. So if you try to be honest about, about those four parts and then start making uh, progress and do it, do a little bit every day. And that way you're getting more and more resilient for whatever is coming. So you develop character and competence. And when the light goes out, you cannot use your Instagram filters. You cannot use your techniques or your tricks because the light's out. It's dark uh, and stormy. And then you always fall back to your character and your and the level of your training competence. So that's what I would say. Be honest, make an assessment, and then start working. There's no secret, so stop waiting start lifting weight, start saving money, start connecting with people, start working on your, on your self-confidence. Yeah, man. Like, well, from what Emerson said, like, uh, work on your character. That's how you reinforce yourself. Thanks so much yeah. for being a guest on the podcast, teaching other people, bringing out the strengths. And it was a pleasure connecting with you, Tibor. Thanks, Philip. Thanks. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and support our mission of freedom of speech. With increasing restrictions on fundamental freedoms, we believe that now, more than ever, is the time for you to be an online coach or consultant and become independent from the system. That's why we created the Client Closer Academy. Learn how to consistently enroll clients and join a community of fellow free thinkers who value personal responsibility, speaking their truth, and making an impact. Find out more at clientcloser.com slash academy. Rant over.